right. So here we are. Welcome back. Welcome science, back. Science in between. I feel like we should be like, boom, boom, boom. Oh, that'd like, be nice. Well, yeah. there is a little kicker at the front of this. So there they is get a, a kicker. They get a little bit of, yeah. but wait, this is Scott. This is Ollie. This, I had is, some, a, this is a podcast where it is that a we podcast. do together. Yeah. This thing mm. we've been doing for, mm. you know, 90 some episodes. Closing in on 100, dude. Yeah. I, it's funny. One of the, one of our listeners I was talking to recently was saying that they had a dream that we changed the intro music. Oh, I know. And I was like, well, what would we even change it to? <laughs> like, I gotta, uh, yeah. no. that'd be a pretty radical change if yeah. we shifted from. No, I think, I think if we change, we're going to, we're going to go completely big. Like we'll go a whole different, we'll, we'll change the whole topic of the show. We'll change yeah. the name. We'll change the intro music. Maybe, change- maybe, maybe we'll have more hosts. <laughs> Or fewer hosts. Right. <laughs> You're going to be doing it by yourself. It'll just be Ollie sitting in yeah. a room like Deep Thoughts by Ollie. Oh, no one wants to hear that. Oh, come on. Uh, it, or it could be like, you know, Shake's Fist at Cloud. That could be the oh, name of that. That, that, that would one. be a good one. That's a great Shake's one. Fist at Cloud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wish, wishes it was more whale shaped. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hate that cloud. That's the worst cloud ever. <laughs> All right. So, I, I, <laughs> what do we I actually talk about what that? are we talking about? So I'll frame this a little bit because it's, it's something I threw out as a, as a potential topic today. Um, I would say over the, you know, the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of things in, you know, in the public discourse that has been science related. Yes. And so the question I kept thinking about was, would the, average person have the average citizen have the requisite science knowledge to be able to participate in this conversation from a standpoint of knowledge or even recognize maybe that there is a scientific conversation to be had right like that this is it's not just a political conversation it's also a science conversation yes and whether we're talking, you know, climate science or, yeah. you know, you can extrapolate from there. I think yeah. probably the climate science is the, the least political one of the one examples I could include. Well, right. Especially recently based on, yeah. on the public discourse based decisions. And sure. Public discourse. Yeah. And so like, so how much science do we need as a citizenry? To be able to like adequately prepare students and citizens to participate. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know the answer to that. Cause I think that, you know, we've talked about this historically that there was the, you know, with the uh, committee of 10, right? Yeah, committee that, of 10. Yep. That, you know, okay, everybody needs, if they're going to go to college, they need, and they, you know, introduced, you yeah, know, biology, chemistry, yeah. you know, and these are the things. And I think largely schools are structured about that. But, um, and I think most graduating seniors get three ish years of science in in the high school, at least Mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania. Um, They typically get an earth science, a physical science, and a life life science. science, Yeah. Sometimes more than that. Yeah. And then I think where where the, the challenge is at the elementary level is that they're maybe not getting as much science. Mm hmm. Um, I mean, I, we've talked so much about like how, how science, like how do we science? How do we teach science? How, how do we science? 
How do we science? Now we're going to what science? Right. Like what and how much? We did, in fairness, we did have a draft, which was a what science? We did have a draft. Yeah. That goes back a ways. Yeah, it does. There are early days of science in between. Yeah. yeah. Only the OGs will remember that episode. Yeah, I think that was one where it's um, the hype didn't live up to it. Like we were really excited about that and it became, yeah. yeah. Turns out not that interesting is what you're saying. Please, please don't listen to Ali when he talks about how our, uh, we don't um, have interesting episodes because well, they're all no, interesting. Our whole it, back catalog it is. It, yes. Go through. Uh, go through. If you, yes. if you, yeah. Maybe, so, maybe listen to it when you're unconscious because that's probably the best way to listen to it. Or if you're going on some cross country trip, you know, and just start yeah. like download the whole, you know, history of science in between. Oh, 97, 98 episodes. 98. Yes. That will cover you as you drive from one part of our country <sighs> to the other. Yeah. You yeah. see the si- shining sea. You, you could do a lot of driving. Yep. Yes. So, but that's so, not what here we're we're here to talk about, Ollie. How but much I, science? How much science, Scott? And much? what science? Yeah. What science? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, you, I think you, you I think starting. First. Well, I think starting with you know having some life science, some you know physical science. I think that's a that's a good place. I I I wonder whether we're like we've talked about like teaching the, um, you know next generation science standards and things. But I, I wonder whether we're not just teaching it in a way that, you know, puts students at the, you know, the center part of scientific discussions and scientific explanations, but whether we're doing a a good enough job of having students see the connection to science to their lives. And I think those things are intertwined. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's so much of this, you know, the, the public discourse right now, and I connect it to science that they should too. Right. I think everyone should see these things as science conversations, you know? Yeah. And, and how, you know, whether we're talking global pandemics or we're talking about in vitro fertilization, or we're talking about climate change, or we're talking about just keep going vaccinations, vaccinations, all of these things are, and it's, it's not going to stop. It's just going to keep going. Like Mm -hmm. it's, you know, because of the nature of our society. Um, I think that's important that not just it's, they have to have a, a lot of science background, but it's also, they have to see how intricately related it is to. So like, I mean, even what, yeah. Like we could talk about like, like gender race, all of these things are, are, are science conversations, yeah. you know, they're, yeah. I mean, it's all, it's like, for, I know that's you, you and me, we see the world from science. Sure. But I but I think, you know, the thing that that we can connect this to, I believe, is, um, you know, to take it back to something we talk about a lot, which is the NGSS and the way it's framed and the way it thinks about science or the way that it tries to instantiate thinking about science, which is around two things. One is big ideas. So when we're talking about, like, what do we want kids to understand about biology or about 
chemistry or physics or whatever, first of all, there are big core ideas that are important for them to understand. And maybe more important, and in my mind, more important is practices. So there have been different versions of this, of course, historically, but this idea of like, how do you how do you investigate a problem that you don't understand in a scientific way? I think this this is really an incredibly important notion. And it goes to, you know, we've talked about it sort of like, oh, well, you need to understand how science works as a process. So we talked about that in terms of COVID, right? And that how, how knowledge continues to develop and therefore thinking about right and wrong answers isn't the way to think about it. But I think the other piece of that that I think we talk about a little less, actually, to some degree, is like, what does it mean to approach a problem from a scientific perspective? And, you know, we can talk about Adam Grant talks about this, like the difference between a philosopher and a not a philosopher, a um, uh, what is it? It's a preacher, a politician and a what's the third P? Uh, anyway, we'll think of it. Preacher, politician. And yeah, it's just yeah, blew out of my head. <laughs> Anyway, so Adam Grant, who we've talked about a number of times, talks about those. And then the alternative to the, the three P's is, is the S, which is the scientist, right? But this idea of, you know, when we're having a conversation about this, how can, how can we take a step back from the political tension of what's going on and say, what are the underlying scientific issues? And can we get clarity on those before we layer on all these, um, all these issues around um, belief and about, um, you know, personal freedom and whatever the other political and social issues are, can we take a step back and at least ag agree on or clarify what the fundamental science is underneath? Right. Um, and I know that's difficult, if not impossible, but I think that's what we're talking about is that there are in these things, in many of these political issues, whether it's climate change or whether it's vaccinations or whatever, right. Um, there are often fundamental science ideas that underlie them, but it's not so much that we want to teach everybody those ideas. We want to teach people in science classrooms how to approach those ideas in a scientific way. Yeah. Preacher, prosecutor, politician. Prosecutor. Thank scientist. you. Scientist. That's yeah. The, yeah. Okay. Prosecutor. Yeah. And I think, you know, we have given students lots of opportunities you know kids let's call them kids instead let's of, call them kids to in terms of being able to be preachers right because mm -hmm. if they have that sort of stance it's because they have grown up in you know whatever environment but it's not just about you know preaching from the standpoint of a religious perspective it's preaching right. from the standpoint of their philosophical perspectives right, right. um moral clarity or moral like this is our this is the way we are the way we right. believe as a family whether that's right. religious or not um you know and and prosecutor is just that you know part about arguing but like to be a scientist you need to come at it from you know a scientific perspective you need to have that um that background in science to be able to take that position and that's the thing where i'm i'm wondering whether you know we have to have some sort of K to 12, I don't want to call it a mandate, but, you know, we have these standards, but we should be like, okay, every kindergartner, every first grader should have at least X number of hours of science, you know, 
Yeah. And I, and I think the other thing that needs to, we need to move towards that we're slowly moving towards. So in addition to the practices, I think one of the other things that you're hearing increasingly, and this comes at least in part out of the culturally relevant or responsive or whatever version of that kind of pedagogy that you want to think about this, these equity focused pedagogies is, can we also begin to think about some of the science curriculum as being about issues that are that have right. social implications. So instead yeah. of teaching chemistry as this abstract like balancing of equations and stuff, can we find things not not the whole curriculum because that's I still think we've talked about that. I still think that's unrealistic and and yeah. not a not a good goal. But you know, a segment of it, a segment of chemistry, a segment of physics, a segment of earth and space science, like we should be we should be taking the time to say Hey, here is a local issue that has social, political, and cultural um, implications, or or it it influences those areas. So let's talk about the science, and then let's talk about the other pieces that surround it, because those we're not having those conversations, and so they have to be had in places that um, tend to not take the science in, into to the conversation. They tend to only take the belief and the and the uh, you know, the sort of more political parts of that conversation. So I think, you know, giving students practice with that in classrooms is important. And I'm not talking about debating because that right. that is terrible. Like I, that's great for social studies. It's not good for science. Science should not be about debate because science isn't about debate. Well, no, science I would I, is about evidence. Right. But I would say that I was going to go down this this root a little bit because i think that the other thing besides connecting it to real life issues especially the ones that are like you know impactful in society is i think we need to show them what science is really all about and while it's not a debate it is about you know tentative topics tentative mm -hmm. understandings you yeah. know and and i think that the more that they that our students understand science as a tentative subject matter like tentative like we're constantly reevaluating like science is a verb science as hey this is how we learn things and this is how we change things and how we you know we gather more evidence and then we revise our stuff based on the the new evidence we have that is what's unique to science what's mm -hmm. unique to you know it's unique to science and scientific understanding and if we teach science as the big book of science, you know, mm -hmm. that it's settled, like all of this is settled, that it doesn't position our students to be active citizens in a world that's constantly changing, where our understanding is constantly changing. Right. And what it basically does is it creates these activists who get angry because Pluto's not a, a, planet, a planet anymore. Yeah. You know? Right. So, that, so they're like up in arms, like, ah, oh, what do you mean Pluto's not a planet? Well, it's like, that's how science works. And the, and Pluto, it's Pluto that that whole controversy was, you know, it it was it demonstrated the big book of science and how people react to the changing nature of science. And yeah. that's like, yeah, no, it's every it, and that's part and parcel like to everything that's happening in our society with changing science. Right. You know? Yeah. But for me, the the thing, the reason I I I sort of flinch at debate is 
debates have winners and losers. And, right. and that's not where science is. Science is about consensus, right? So, and I think helping students understand what that means is incredibly important. I mean, if you hear what happens, climate change, I think is the easiest example of this because they actually put out these consensus reports. That's what they're called, right? But, but what they are is like the vast majority in, in the case of climate, it's well over 95, 98, 99% of scientists agree on this, right? This isn't, it doesn't mean that it's true. It's, it means that it is the consensus. And if yeah. you can imagine in our society, 99% of a group of people agreeing about something, like how, how, tr how pretty close to true that must be, or, or, or at yeah. least substantively evidence-based, like we, we can barely get people to agree at 50% level in, in our country about almost anything. Um, so, if a group of if if the consent if the consensus of practicing scientists who actually study this stuff is that high, that tells you something about the power or the strength of that argument. But nonetheless, it's consensus. It's not true. It's not false. It is based on the evidence that we currently have and our analysis of that evidence by lots of different people in lots of different yeah. ways. We see this as the thing that we all can agree on, which is what consensus means, right? So I think this idea of debate in science, and, and it comes up mostly in these socio-scientific issues where, where you're talking about right. science implications for things. I think debate is not the way to frame this. The question is, how do we come to consensus on this? So let, we can take lots of points of view and into account and think about them. That's important. Like that, That's what makes for good science. But once we have all those points of view, which which ones are best supported by the evidence? And do we all agree that that evidence supports those points of view? That's where science really shines in, in terms of its power. Yeah, I think the the one part that I really struggle with is how do we arm students, arm citizens to be able to, like that 1%, you know, that 1% disagreeer right that one person because right. there are you know podcasts media that sure. just you know seek out that one percent right well and there's also like the turns out podcasts right yeah. which are like oh you know you always thought x turns out it's y right right sort of because yeah sorry yeah no but i think that's the we have to train uh, educate um, our our kids and our citizens to be able to like go, okay, I need to challenge this perspective and critically analyze it, you know, and not accept it as true just because it's somebody with a, a degree or somebody with a, you know, doctor in front of their name or somebody who, you know, used to work for some big university or whatever, right? And, or even in the industry that they, you know, cause that's, that's what happened during the pandemic is we had these folks who were like, well, you know, I worked in the vaccine and vaccination industry. And let me tell you this dot, dot, dot. Right. right. And then they get on like, you know, podcasts with millions of people, you know, and it's like, all right, well, we need to better, better prepare those folks to be able to listen to that and say, this is, this is bunk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it is tricky, right? There is this balance between, um, because we also want to be clear that 
we not everything should be up to personal decision. Like we have experts for a reason, yeah. right? The question is, you know, what does it mean to be an expert and how do we think about that? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think we, we overestimate and we continue to overestimate the notion. And this goes back to learning models, learning theory too, right? That the accumulation of more knowledge is going to make people better at thinking through these problems. And I think there's lots of evidence, not just from science education, but from psychology generally, that that's not the way it works, that there's something more fundamental than that, that is about how you engage with the world, how you think about it, the, the processes and practices, to go back to that again, that you engage with when you're trying to determine whether something is is well supported or not well supported right and and giving students practice and i think you know like it doesn't have to be socio scientific like one of the things i think that's one of the strengths about pedagogies like ambitious science teaching is they're grounded in the idea that the the purpose the teacher's role in the classroom is to get as many different ideas out as possible about the thing that you're trying to explain and then winnow those down into the ones that are best supported by the evidence. Like that's happening with like, you know, why if you drop two balls, why does one bounce and the other one doesn't, right? It doesn't have to be about climate change. It can be yeah. about anything because it's about the process of understanding that well, people are going to have lots of ideas about this, but some of them are going to be supported by the evidence and are going to make, not. make sense in terms of their reasoning and some are not. And how do we decide that? We decide that through consensus, through discussion, through interactions with each other about what is the evidence, how are we interpreting the evidence, how does it support or not support the explanation that we have in front of us. Like that's how you get powerful science education is when you're organizing your learning environment so that what is happening is this discussion building evidence-based consensus model. Yeah, I I guess the the, the part I, I struggle with is how do we how do we get that to happen? How do we get this? I mean, because this is where we are in, in the state right now is in in Pennsylvania we've moved to you know some adoption of the next generation science standards or the Pennsylvania yeah. next generation standards, right. whatever, you know, we brand it. P-A-G-S-S-N-G-D, whatever it is. Yeah. Pangeus. Really? Oh, P-A-N-G-S-S. What would that be? P-A next generation science. Pangus? Pangus? Yeah. Well, I know. Okay, let's just not go with that. And we'll we just, won't say we'll that again. P-A science and technology uh, standards. That include envir environment and uh, ecology. Yeah, but how do we like? How do we get there? How do we get to? Um, because you know, we. I, I think there's still largely this. Um, we teach content, right? But more than that, we want to help students be able to see the implications of science. But as soon as we start to do that. That I think we have these local school boards, we have these local um, administrators who are, you know, who are going to bristle at that, or are going to bristle at, you know, helping students see science in society. Even though, yeah. like, I think that we talk about it like in a sort of generic way, that they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I'm on board with that." But then when they start to say, "Okay, well, that means that they're going to start to discuss climate change in their classroom. They're going to start talking about all the other topics that we potentially 
could be discussing, sure. then it becomes, well, you're talking about politics or you're, you're challenging people's personal beliefs. And it's like, well, that's what education is supposed to be about, right? Is yeah. I believe this thing, you know, I used to believe that, you know, gravity, you know, treated things differently, you know, based right. on, you know. Well, in fairness, that is a, uh, that is one point of view that I think you and I definitely share, yeah. but it is not the only way to think about education. Like if you think about like um, religious education, for example, ma- many uh, religious educations are about the enculturation of, of particular beliefs and orientations to the world, right? And not that public schools aren't about that, but they aren't necessarily about questioning. They're about about adoption, right? Or or enculturation into. Um, so um, that that sort of critical thinking, sort of liberal, not political liberal, but sort of, you know, liberal yeah. notion of education um, has is rooted in in what you're talking about, but isn't necessarily agreed upon by everybody. But I do think like one of the things to think about is that it doesn't, you know, like I'm saying, it's what what we have to do is treat all of science like that so that when they're talking about whether one ball bounces or it doesn't, they develop this idea of like what science is. Science is this discussion where people try to understand things based on evidence and come to consensus. And then when you get to the political hard ones, you can say, wait. Remember what science is. Science is about we can all have lots of points of view, but what we want to do is bring those points of view together, look at how the evidence supports or does not support them, and then use that to build a consensus about what we agree should be the way that we we think about this thing, right? So uh, I think in terms of moving forward, that's that's what we have to be thinking about, which is we have to organize all of science instruction around that as a core tenant. And then when we get to the political cultural, messy ones that are about the local community issues or the big national issues, we have a firm foundation on how this thing operates so that we're not we're not in this land where everything has to have a correct answer. Well, in a world where there are correct answers in science, those conversations get much more difficult to have. So I think we're strained from like the amount of science to how we science um yeah well i i think that's probably true because i sure. because largely for me i think the the um and listeners of the show probably know this already but like my my radical view of uh, if we really went the, the full nine with with the full nine yards and in, in what my notion of science education would look like is content is a lot less important yeah. Like because it's not really about. I mean, it it helps to know content. I'm not trying to say contents of no use, but if content isn't learned in the context of authentic science practices, so you know both what that content means and how it was developed and how you can apply it to real things, real phenomena in the world, then that content is just a bunch of inert facts that are only good for trivia night, right? Because you don't bring them to bear on the problems. You know, both sides of a lot of these political arguments are not actually bringing the science to bear much. Um, uh, they're just arguing about the the values of it. 
Um, now, sometimes they say, well, this, you know, the science is on our side, but they don't really talk about the science all that much. They just say, look, all the scientists yeah. think that this is correct. So I think even so both sides sort of fall down in what does it mean to have a political discussion that is grounded in the, the epistemology of science? Oh, anytime you can bring epistemology into it, I look at you. Epistemic practice, epistemic agency. I used epistemic agency (gasps) in in a regular conversation this week. (sighs) Good man. I'm so proud of you. Yeah. And and I was like, you know, put a little hashtag Scott McDonald. Hashtag. Yeah. Yeah. Site. Site here. Personal communication. That's right. That's right. I I know that guy. I know that guy. Well, yeah, I, I, but I think, okay. So, uh, and I know this is the the thing that we do as physicists is like, mm-hmm. you know, limit test things, right. Yeah, is yeah. so if you're saying content isn't as important in practice, if we push this to the limit, it's just talk pro- practice or push it. I mean, we have the limit. Wait, where are you talking about practice? We are talking about practice, but if we just like have like, there's gotta be some, like critical mass of content that is important, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I think this goes back to the draft that we had, right? Which sure. earlier referenced, right? So, yeah, it's not that I don't think um, that that content isn't useful to have. Um, but the question is, like, we are not going to pr- be able to prepare our students for everything, for right, for every big political debate, like. Uh, five years ago, would we have known how important it would have been for students to understand the nature of vaccines yeah. and their relationship to infectious disease, right? Probably not. Probably not. So does that mean that we failed in science education because we didn't teach them that content? Mm, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Well, and then we're finding out that that's, that's pretty critical. So, um, yeah, I think you're right that we need to like prepare them for the changing nature of science and the changing nature of the types of topics that could happen in everyday life. And that's that's where the practices come in and we always talk about practice. But um practice. But I want to hear I want to hear some what science from you. Like what what do you think about that? Yeah. Like I guess that's the part where I was like engaging in the conversation and not really ready to answer that conversation, uh, the question myself. Um, yeah. I I think where, where the big change needs to happen is in the early grades. We need to have, cause like we, by the time kids get to, you know, middle school, it's like, okay, now we're going to talk about, we, we have such this big, focus in the early grades with at least in our state with literacy and mathematics, not to say that literacy and mathematics aren't important, Mm -hmm. but you know, we have to start to develop just like we develop kids as being readers. We have to develop them as being scientists from the early, from the earliest grades. And I, and I think that um, the more we can do that, that, that we set that, you know, that fertile ground for that to develop. So I, I would say we have to, that's, that's the beginning stages of how much science, how much science is it should start like in kindergarten, you know, in kindergarten where the kids are, you know, 
beginning with investigations and explanations and that sets the you know sets the the stage for everything from there yeah. like it's almost like okay we don't do science until third grade or we don't do science until fourth grade which is happening in a lot of schools because yeah. for a whole host of reasons we you know some of it is maybe the schools don't have the the funding to be able to you know have scientific equi- science equipment not that you need expensive stuff or maybe the you know the teachers in those grade levels are more focused on literacy or more you know comfortable teaching um, literacy and mathematics and teaching science. But I think that it's pretty clear that students need a comprehensive, you know, understanding of science in order to be, and that goes from, you know, life science, to physical science, to earth science. So all of the science, <laughs> all of it, right. yeah. all of the sciences. Well, uh, you know, and it go it goes back to, I agree with you hundred percent. And I think it goes back to this idea that if we can start engaging early grades kids with these big ideas because that's another thing about ngss is like well we're going to identify these big ideas and we're going to revisit them right so what so it's not like you learn this in seventh grade and then you never see it again until you know whenever 11th grade the idea is that like especially in k through five um what you're doing is laying the groundwork for these big ideas and what that means is that they're getting a first approximation they're getting a, the beginning of that big idea and they're adding nuance and complexity and depth of understanding as they get older well that's useful in lots of ways it's useful in the way that then the curriculum builds on itself which i think we all hope it would right but the other thing that it's useful about is that they that their idea they get the idea that science ideas change as you get yeah. more information so you know the thing that you learned about light and shadow as a kindergartner is is going to help you understand waves later but that doesn't mean that what you learned in kindergarten kindergarten was wrong and what you learn in high school is right right yeah it means that that idea gets more sophisticated and more nuanced and more in-depth as over time. And then kids can say, oh, yeah, well, this is a thing we don't understand well, like COVID. And so as we get more information, the, our ideas about it should change. If it's good science, it should, it change. should change. And if it's not changing, I mean, that's possible if the evidence just keeps piling up on one side. But that's not usually the way it works. It usually is that things are twisting and turning and our and our understanding is is changing over time. So I think that's the other reason why K to 5 science is so important because yeah. it lays the groundwork for hey, these are ideas that we had in kindergarten or third grade or whatever and now I'm in 8th grade or 11th grade and those ideas are getting, you know, we're coming we're coming back to them, which means they're important and we're coming back to them in ways that they're growing and changing so we understand the nature of what science is as a practice yeah so i guess the answer to how much science is lots of science especially at the early grades as much and as you can get as much as you can get and uh, m- focused on content but mostly practice yeah mostly practice but i do think your point it cannot be hammered home enough uh, because nationally the amount of k5 science education that happens is abysmal. So, you know, I mean, even in the best places with the most commitment to it, we're, we're usually talking about like 20 to 30 minutes every other day. Right. right? And if they're lucky, 
if, if they're lucky. Right. That's what I'm saying. In the best case scenario, these, these are the schools that are really pushing on science and that's what they're getting. And often, like in one of the local schools around here, it's the end of the day. So it's the last 30 minutes of the day, which means it's really only the last 20 minutes of the day because the last 10 minutes of the day are like, okay, get your papers, put them in your backpack, go sit, you know, back to back to like socializing and lining up and doing all that stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, 20 minutes every other day, I mean, it's better than poking the eye with a sharp stick, but it's not (laughs) going to do a lot of science for you. Yeah. No, 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 sir. No, siree, Bob. All right. So uh, I think we can probably move to Joyce, right? Well, you probably do that. I think it's your turn to go first this time. Yeah. So there's, 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 there's so So much good so so much good television right now that is yeah i don't know what what you're watching but uh season three of the boys is is this season three i think it's season three yeah four season four of the boys season four just dropped yeah season four of the boys which is it is well i would say this if you've uh read any of the the series it's probably finally getting closer to the books Hmm. right because the the books not that it was so divergent from the books but like one of the things that was pretty critical with the books was that the boys themselves had some powers right so they 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 were superheroes fighting superheroes you know they had some super strength and and these guys spoiler alert sorry sorry I, I well Just for spoiling the boys yeah okay uh, well i mean i don't know it's it's so season four is is getting closer to that and um it's well these books have been out since like 2000 and yes, i know eight or something right yeah and so these they're and there's a lot of them i mean this i i just started reading them um i didn't realize how many books there are there's like yeah. 130 issues or something of the boys yeah. um and so i started i'm about like maybe 25 or 30 issues in and mm. uh yeah so season four is just wild it is the w- wildest because you know i you know characters are dying characters are fighting like people that you thought were like it's just it's just wild it's not getting, for the getting game of thrones on there yes it's not for the faint of heart it's not for the people who if Amen. you are if you are somebody who doesn't if if game of thrones you know grossed you out this is going to gross you out um if you're somebody who is kind of very i would say can i say prudish prudish i don't know if you're uncomfortable with explicit sexual content this will make you very or lot, uncomfortable. Or, lot, or lots of it. <laughs> yeah. And violent sexual content, if we're being perfectly honest about it. There's sure. a there's a fair bit of that in this show that well, is really discomforting. Well, right from the get-go of season four, it's like it just comes out of the blocks and like punches you in the face. Um well, I mean I, se- season one, episode one. Yeah. Right? It, it, so it's yeah. Well, what what I think I, I appreciate the most about it is so it has the source material and it's like kind of straying in and out of the source material but i think the other part is that the um the writers are poking you in the eye the viewer of with all of the current media all of the things that are happening so like here's a little example of what i'm talking about um so right after the pandemic hits, there was the, uh, like all of these stars were, you know, 
recording themselves singing yeah. Imagine, right? right? And and the boys just goes, you know what? Forget that. Forget <laughs> that. Like we're gonna poke fun at that and just gonna like and like all the people who were like, oh, this is really something magical that these folks did. They just hammer it. They Skewer hammer it. it. Yes. And and they just call it in the question, like, how do these people like like do this? And there's multiple points with that. And throughout the like there's one where it's like a Kendall Jenner commercial where they like right in the middle of the, you know, the protests, you know, the um you know, Black Lives Matter movement that, you know, she had recorded a Pepsi commercial where she walks up. Well, there's a commercial just like that in, in the boys. And just, it's riddled with that, that just cultural is, references, these cultural references that are deep cuts that are like, really just like, you know, pointing the fingers at, you know, at, you know, all of media and all public culture and all that. And it's just like, Hey, pay attention, you yeah. know? Yeah. And it is it is the a social commentary that is yeah. awesome that is awesome all right that, well that's that's a good one yeah oh wait yeah. you were about to say something no i was just going to no. say that's gonna also has something all, else? no i was going to spoil anything. i hadn't i didn't spoil anything i guess i did maybe yeah, the the a little, bit. The, a little, little bit. bit yeah i guess so but it's the source material so uh-huh. Uh-huh. it's only been out that, like since you know yeah. To, yeah, it's been around for a bit you know okay. come on spoiler spoiler <laughs> i'll leave a spoiler all um, these all these people die yeah <laughs> all the boys die the red wedding yeah <laughs> oh you're not now you're spoiling a whole different show um all right so i am gonna pick another one that's sort of it's not that level but um but we've been watching ozark um and i i like especially if you are a Jason Bateman fan and you know from the old days from the arrested development and like he's such a great comedic actor but seeing him in this role um and and Laura Linney is just i mean what do you say about her she's amazing yeah um but the the whole cast is amazing but but for those of you who don't know the show the basic premise is Jason Bateman is a financial advisor and he has been and this is not a spoiler because this is in the first episode right out of the gate. He has been laundering money for a Mexican drug cartel and it sort of goes wrong from there. But the, the thing that, well, one of, one of the things that's nice about it is if you think your life is messed up and hard right now, it, it gives you a nice test case of how bad it could really be. Um, you know, and, and the kind of compromises the, that this guy has to make, but, but the thing that I think plays so well in the show is um, he really manages to sort of be an ordinary guy who's just trying to like help his family and do the right thing, even though he's made like a tremendous number of bad choices and his wife has, and it's like super complicated and sad, but also they're, they're both like saying, can we try and make this work so that our kids are not a train wreck and that we can sort of try and get our lives back on track. Um, and in the process end up, you know, making more bad choices typically. Uh, so it's, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not a happy show. Uh, but it is, it has moments of levity and it has, 
but it just is really well acted and really well done. And, uh, and I haven't seen the whole, I think they're, I don't even know what season they're on now. We're not, we're not nearly through the whole thing, but I can still recommend what I've seen so far and say, yeah, put Ozark on your long list of television shows. Yeah. It's on my list of things to watch, but it's kind of like that breaking bad, you know, like those, those shows where it's the, you know, that archetype character where it's the, you know, the complicated hero villain, you know, yeah, those are always hard for me. Okay. You know? Yeah. I, yeah. Even, I didn't, even though you're uh who's the bear town author, like, it seems like a lot of that is right in that same wheelhouse of like, uh, you know, like sort of Bachman, Frederick Bachman. Yeah. No yeah. clear moral. Like there's no, there are no purely good or bad people. I mean, I think the boys has some of that oh, yeah. um, in, built into it. So that idea that like moral clarity is um, usually not good and also definitely not realistic. So, yeah, um, I think the only series like that uh, I, I've watched was I, I Mad Men was like, I loved mm, Mad Men. And, yeah. you know, the Don Draper character is like just yeah. like that. Right. He's complicated hero villain, you know. Yeah. 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 Antihero, well, I guess, is the. Yeah. Uh, Go out and watch some depressing slash funny slash uh, yeah. dramatic slash interesting television. That's e- all e- I'm saying. E- explicit not explicit whatever 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 floats your boat yeah it's a golden age of television right now i think so there's just so much so much good content right now so yeah that's great boys and ozark so many people i know have watched uh ozarks ozarks ozark ozark yeah just Ozark. that uh they they've recommended it to me and it's just it's on my list yeah yeah absolutely all right we'll catch you next time in between see you then Bye bye now